I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Karen from Layers of Learning and I'm here with my sister Michelle. Hello. And today we're going to talk about raising readers. Now Michelle, you're my hero in this subject because you talk a lot about how you have dyslexic kids and yet your kids love to read. And I think that's really uncommon for kids with dyslexia to end up really loving reading. So tell me, how did you do that? Okay, so first of all, I have six boys and boys on average tend to be less of readers than girls. Like that's just kind of a trend. That's kind of how it works. And of my boys, four of them have some level of dyslexia and every single one of them is a little different. And out of all six, only one really found reading easy and enjoyable from a young age. So that's the first thing you have to understand. They were not natural readers to begin with. These are kids that struggle with reading and that didn't necessarily like reading and that the physical act of reading was difficult for most of them. So the first thing I think you need to realize is that everybody loves stories. The physical act of reading can be difficult for some people. And some people might not like to sit down with a book, but everybody loves stories. I mean, that's why movies are such a big deal, right? Because they tell mm -hmm. stories. Yeah. Everyone loves stories. So if you can get your kids immersed in stories in book form, then you've got them hooked. So it probably helps you because you are a voracious reader. You're a bookworm. Yeah, that, that is hugely influential, I think. Because if your kids see you reading and enjoying it, not reading because you have to or reading because it's an assignment, but you're reading because it's fun, then they're going to be much more likely to think, oh, that's fun. If they if dad is watching football on TV all the time or mom, then your kids end up grow. They grow up loving football. That's how that works. Right. Often. Yeah, often. Um, if your kids are outside working with you in the wood shop and you're building with tools all the time, they're going to end up enjoying that kind of activity. That's kind of how it works. I mean, not 100%, but it works that way. So if your kids see you reading and you're enjoying it, then they're going to be much more likely to become readers. So if you are focusing on the stories, are you saying that your kids are voracious readers because you read aloud to them, basically? Yes. So, well, there's a couple things. First of all, I read aloud to them and I have always read to them picture books when they're little. And as soon as my older ones were about probably six or seven, I started reading chapter books to them for short ones like Boxcar Children, you mm -hmm. know, little, little books like that. Charlotte's and Web. Then, and then, yeah. And as they get older, a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And my younger ones would sit there and listen to the books that were on a higher level than they would ever be able to read on their own or that I would even choose to read to them if they were the only child. So I might have my four-year-old sit there listening to me read Ranger's Apprentice out loud. Well, I would not pick Ranger's Apprentice to read to my four-year-old if all I had was a four-year-old. But I've got this range of kids and my older ones are 10 and 11 and 12, you know, in that age range. And so I'm picking a book that appeals to the older ones and the younger ones just sit there and listen in. And so did you make all drawn them? into the cities? Did you the like stories. make them sit and listen in or? Yes, I, I guess I did. I mean, we had like a family reading time and I would read aloud to them. Okay, guys, it's time to read. And 
None of them were reluctant, though. And I think the reason that they weren't reluctant, first of all, it was just sort of expected. I didn't really give them a choice and I didn't think about it. It was just like, of course, you're going to want to listen to this. This is fun. Like this was the fun part of the day. And usually it was before bed is when we do the read aloud. And they would sometimes have a snack during that time. That's going to draw them in. And then <laughs> when my kids were younger, I would have them draw during the read aloud time. And that would keep their attention even when they're little, when they're four, five, six, and they're not really ready to sit there to listen to it, they can draw while they're doing it. So we'd have how to draw books and I would have everyone go get it out and they would draw while I read. Also, that's two subjects in one. So bam. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so Karen, what about you? How is your family read aloud time? What, what happens during that? Well, we kind of did the same thing that you did. We often did it at bedtime before. Right now we're actually not doing that as much, but it's just because of where my family's at. I'm just teaching my two younger ones at home now. I My daughter is in high school, but she's attending her community college. So she's gone a lot and she has a job. So during the day, it's very quiet. And my husband, Bob, he's a pilot. So he is also gone for a few days stretch at a time. So it's just myself and my two little ones. And so I'm actually finding that we read aloud a ton now that they beg me to read the next chapter. And we read a few different times during the day. But when I had all four kids at home, and my two older ones were much more reluctant with reading than my two younger ones. And they didn't love it quite as much. They didn't beg me to read the next chapter. And so we had more like, this is the time that we're all going to read aloud. And we sat down and, and did it. But when they started, they didn't love it. So I had to draw them in with little kind of celebratory things, I guess. Like, for example, I might say, hey, mommy's going to make some hot cocoa. Go get some blankets and we'll cuddle up and read. Or during the day, I'd say, hey, let's all go out on the trampoline. I'll bring our book and I'll read to you laying out in the sunshine on the trampoline. Or we'd build a blanket for it. And we didn't do that stuff every day. But they kind of needed an extra incentive to want to read aloud with me a little bit. And then after a while, they started to fall in love with it more and more. But to get them started, I needed like extras, I guess. I don't think your kids needed that as much. Not as much, but they did need the the drawing. When when they were little, they just couldn't physically sit there for that long without anything to do, just, you know, sitting there. And yeah. I, again, I think that's tends to be more true with boys than girls, although there are girls that definitely have a tough time sitting too. Yeah. But most boys, when they're four, five, six, seven, eight, cannot sit still for 20 minutes at a stretch. Like that is just really hard for them. And so if they had the drawing, then they could sit for that long and it kept them in the room listening to me and I didn't like I didn't quiz on the books I didn't ask them did you have reading comprehension I didn't <laughs> I didn't worry about it I think I think one of the reason that kids grow up hating reading is because of reading comprehension tests and you must get this chapter done before Friday and you're assigned this book I think that is what kills the love of reading in kids We've never done any kind of reading comprehension test but we do talk about our books all the time yeah like we'll we'll stop and have a conversation about something interesting that's happening in the story but in a normal natural way it's not a test yeah I've yeah. never ever quizzed them i I might say something like ooh I would be best friends with that character would you guys or you know like yeah it's just conversation we're not or did you expect that I had no idea that was coming I know? often have my kids guess like what do you think is going to happen next what do you think is going to happen next and just see what their take on it is 
sometimes I've read the book and I know what happens next, but sometimes I've never read it before I read it to them out loud. And I'm making guesses too. Like we just converse about it. I do remember when you were talking about some of the things that you do, like you have them draw. When my kids were little and I was trying to come up with those kind of celebratory ways to get them excited about reading, I used to put a flashlight in each of their hands and then I'd read in the dark. So I had a flashlight too, like right before bedtime. And they'd be shining their little lights like all over the the room, kind of like a laser pointer (laughs) game, except we did it with flashlights. And like little tiny things like that make them able to pay attention to the story because they just have something to do. I don't, yeah. I don't know why, but especially when they're younger, them. they need that. Yeah. Like when they were toddlers or, you know, five years old. Okay. So we need to back up a second because the reason that I began to read aloud to my kids when they were very young is because that's what my mom did. That's what our mom did. Oh yeah. Karen and I. Yeah. And especially she did it in the summer when we weren't in school, but she would always have a read aloud going right after lunch. We would all lay around the living room and she would sit in her rocking chair and she would read a chapter book aloud to us. That is how I learned the story of Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm -hmm. We read that together in Summer of the Monkeys from Wilson Rawls, both of those. And she read many books like that to us. And it's the stories that draw you in. I absolutely loved reading because mom read aloud to us. And so I knew this is something I want to do with my kids. It works. Reading aloud to your kids makes them love stories. It's no effort on their part. Sometimes it's hard to sit still, but you can do things to mitigate that. And they just love stories. I think we also loved, I, I don't know how to say this, but when mom read aloud to us, I felt like mom loved us. Like yes. Th- there was a, there was more than just the story. It was the whole experience. That's true. It kind of shaped our childhood in a lot of ways. And I even remember Michelle. So Michelle and I shared a room when we were growing up. It wasn't necessarily always a happy thing. Yeah. Some, <laughs> we, we weren't always friends like we are now when, when we had to share a room. No, we did all right. But yeah, she's you know. Messy. Where she was. When she, you grow up together not. and you have to share a room, there's a little contention sometimes. But, but anyway, I remember we used to listen to books on tape sometimes at night, too. Do you oh, remember yeah. the, the yeah. Ca- we had cassette stories. We had cassettes. <laughs> and, and we'd listen to some of them. We listened to again and again, again and, and again, again the same story because we owned the cassettes, you know. Yeah. But we did really grow up loving stories because mom made that part of our lives. Another thing that she did that I do with my kids is going to the library. Do you remember? We would go to the library every week in the summer and we got to pick three books. Now, (laughs) it killed us that we only got three. (laughs) But you have to realize mom had six kids too. And so three times six is 18. Plus she wanted to read. And then she got a few books. And so that's a lot of books to keep track of. And We would, you know, drag them all over the house. And then before library every week, we'd have a great hunt for all the library books. Yeah. Remember that? We always had a list. And there'd always be one missing that was under somebody's (laughs) mattress or something. And it was this big crisis. Anyway, that's that's it. But we went every week. Like we we always. And it was a treat. And Mm -hmm. in a way, I think the fact that we only got three books made it even more valuable. Like we loved those books even more. I distinctly remember the week that I went to the library and I was like, I only get three books. And so I found the biggest book. I did that too. It was a big giant orange book on the shelf. Okay. I picked out a tree grows in Brooklyn when I was about 10 years old. (laughs) That's a fat book. (laughs) (laughs) But if you got the short ones, you were going to run out before the end of the week. Before the end of the day. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) 
was, we, we would get home from the library and we would be reading everybody. We would just go to our little corners of the house and we'd all be reading, laying on the floor. Yeah, she made library outings special and she made the read aloud time special. She made us feel loved during those times in big, big ways. And so I largely fell in love with reading because it felt like mom loved us through the books and yeah. I mean, through a and, lot of things. We have a great and mom. That's, but. that's why I knew that I wanted to do read alouds with my kids. I didn't read some studies on what makes a kid a great reader. I didn't even think about that when they were little. I just wanted to share that experience with them. You were read too, so you read to them. Yeah. So Michelle, how do you pick out what books you're going to read to your kids for your read aloud time? Sometimes I let them help in that decision. Um, other times I pick something that I know will be high interest for them. A great story. You know, that's the number one thing. I'm not looking for something that teaches some moral lesson or the great classics necessarily, although some of those are definitely great stories. But I'm just looking for something that I think will appeal to my kids. That's you know, Ranger's Apprentice. Mm-hmm. It's a, Those are stories about a boy who goes out in the wilderness and learns to survive and he becomes this spy and has adventures, that's going to appeal to my boys. Mm -hmm. So you got to know your kids and know what kind of things are going to appeal to them. So I always set out a few books and say, okay, kids come and choose. And they might have like three or four options and they, they kind of collectively vote on it. So I don't just tell them, what book do you want to read? Because they haven't even heard of a lot of the books that we haven't read yet. You know, they don't know what they want to read if they've never read it. Yeah. So I try to find like those high interest things like you mentioned, but then I let them often help me make the final decision like, okay, this is the one we're going to read next. And if there's a difference of opinion or I've got kids with different interests, I'll do one and then alternate and then alternate. We'll go to the other one's interest and and we alternate. I also tend to pick books that are sort of middle grades level. That's perfect because middle grades books that are aimed at kids from about nine years old or 10 years old to around 12 or 13 they are chapter books and they have good plots. They have good characters. They're well-developed. They're great stories, but they're not too difficult for the little kids to understand. And mm-hmm. I'm, they're pretty safe. You're not going to run into questionable stuff in those kinds of books. They would too. be too difficult for the little kids to read, but not to not be to understand. read too. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I think is important with read-alouds is some people feel like once their children can read on their own, then, oh, I don't have to read to them anymore. But I think that's a mistake because reading aloud with your kids is the experience. And again, you're teaching them to love stories and you can read them something that they might not pick up on their own or that's too difficult still for them to read on their own. Well, I was just thinking that same thing because when you and I talk about how mom read aloud to us, we're actually thinking back into our minds to a time that we were both readers. Yes. You know, you're, you're four years older than me and I was reading chapter books at the time that we're remembering. I mean, I know she did it our whole lives, but when we are talking about, I remember when we read Where the Red Fern Grows. Yes, and we were older. I was probably 11 or 12 when she read that. Yeah, I mean, I know I was reading at at that time. So she was reading to us long after we could read. And I mean, still to this day, when when we go visit mom, we talk books. You have to do. You know, (laughs) so it's, it's not like... There's a deadline where you go, okay, I have to read all these to my kids and then teach them to read so they can read on their own. No, you get to keep reading to your kids. I have, my 17-year-old has been going to college this year. He's out of the house a lot because of that and his busy life. 
but he still joins us for our read aloud at night. And if he's not home or if one of the others isn't home for whatever reason, we don't read that night because we've got to wait because you, you know, they, can't, miss the chapter. they can't miss the chapter. Yeah. yeah. So we re- we purposely include everyone when we're reading aloud. We actually have two books right now. One that my teenage daughter who's in the same boat is reading with us and one that we're reading without her because there are days that she's too busy, but my kids don't want to miss it. So we're yeah. reading two different books right now. But I used to think that was trouble too. Like, oh, I have to be organized. I have to know what I'm reading aloud in January and what I'm going to read in February. And we don't do that anymore. No, we just just pick a book and start reading. You it. can read more than one book at a time. You <laughs> yeah. can read nonfiction, fiction. You can read all kinds of things. Your kids don't mix it up. You They're don't. Totally yeah. Able to and, sort and you out. don't have to plan out your reading for the whole year and make sure that you're hitting all the genres or anything like that. It doesn't need to be that formal. Just let them fall in love with books and they'll be lifelong readers. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter. Just it's it's about learning to love stories. That's what reading books is. So, Michelle, besides reading aloud, are there other ways that you feel like you've helped your boys to become people who just love books? Yeah. I Every day during school, we have 30 minutes. Right now, it's 30 minutes. And that, that exact time depends on your kids and their abilities. But why spend 30 minutes reading with my children? We have an assigned reading time. So... My youngest is 11 and he's dyslexic and he really struggles. So I still sit there and with him and read during that 30 minutes. And my older one reads on his own during that time. And it's interesting to watch Garrett, who is, he's the 13 year old. It was interesting to watch him because until really recently, he did not like to read. He liked, he liked to listen to stories when I read aloud, but he did not like to read on his own. And that has changed over the last, over the course of about the last year. And part of that, a huge part of that is that I made him sit there with a timer for 30 minutes and read. So he practiced those muscles. And the key, I think, is that I let him read whatever he wanted. And I helped him find books that I knew would appeal to him. It's important to find books that are at or just slightly below their level so that the reading just becomes really easy. They can just do it easily, easily, easily. And they'll naturally get harder and harder books once they're able to handle that if they love reading. I think that's kind of the same thing you mentioned. If it can be about the story instead of about the physical act of reading, they start to really love it. So if you give them a book that's a little bit easier than their level or, you know, at least one that they feel comfortable with, they will be getting the story. If it's a really, really hard book, they're just struggling with the physical... The words, and they're not getting any Yeah, story. they're not getting a story. They yeah. miss the story. And we feel like, but if you don't give them harder books, then how are they going to grow? But they do. They do it on their own. Yeah. And you don't you don't have to worry about that. It's It's all about helping them love the story. And if if you love the story, you'll work a little bit to get it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take long and reading becomes no work at all. When I read a book, it's not work. It requires no effort on my part. It's just it's effortless because of all the practice I've had. And the same thing happens to all children as they practice more and more. Even dyslexic kids. Even like dyslexic kids. kids. And Garrett, one of the keys with him was graphic novels. And I know those get run down sometimes. And at first I was a little bit leery of them. Oh, it's just a comic book. No, they're excellent, especially for kids who aren't loving reading or who struggle a little bit because the pictures help them along and the pictures add a little bit of a reward and make it just a little easier. And if they feel like skipping some reading, they can and still get most of the story. You can still understand what's and it's happening. totally fine. Yeah. 
And they're still reading the words and practicing and progressing. Yeah. Anything at all to help them be so that the reading becomes easy. They will naturally grow on to learn to love more difficult stories, especially if you're reading aloud to them and they realize, oh, this, these other books are excellent and they don't have so many pictures in them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they learn to love deeper literature, better plot lines and everything else. They get that on their own. I also think besides just them doing their silent reading kind of concept, they also need to just see you reading. Like your kids watch you read when it's not assigned. You know, they just see you reading. And my kids are the same way. They're like, oh, what are you reading, mom? Even when it's not school time, when it's not assigned, when it's not any kind of formal anything, your kids need to see you with a book. If you want to raise a reader, you have to be a reader yourself. Yes, that's true for the most part. And if you don't love reading, you can actually learn to love reading too. It's all about the stories you're picking because you need to pick things that appeal to you. You need to pick things that are easy physically for you to read. Don't start out reading something that is difficult. Like don't don't start with Dickens. If, War and Peace. Or War and Peace because you think that's what you're supposed to be reading. That's nonsense. Go find a good romance novel. Who cares? You know what I used to read voraciously? Cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems silly, but I always had a cookbook in my hand. And Food is good. <laughs> it, it was at a time when... My kids were littler and menu planning was kind of the thorn in my side at the time. Like I, I don't mind cooking, but planning the menu just felt like, ah, one more thing I had to do. And I got into cookbooks and I started reading them like crazy. And we started having a new recipe night every week. That's why you like those mysteries with the recipes in them. Culinary mysteries. Yes. I do read culinary mysteries. (laughs) (laughs) See, we sort of have this, I don't know, highbrow idea in our culture that if you're reading something like a culinary mystery, you should keep that on the down low and not share that because it's somehow shameful. That's I just, nonsense. I just shared it. <laughs> Karen's out of the closet. I also love <laughs> fantasy books. I do too. And so we read a lot of like dystopian fantasy type novels because it's what I really love. And when I'm excited about it, my kids, it's a little contagious. They kind of yeah. get excited too. And, and they like that genre a lot. So yes, we read historical novels. Yes, we read classics. We talk about that a lot. But we also read a lot of other just really oh, fun yeah. things. You need, you need to, especially if you're having a tougher day or a tougher week or you're not that into reading, definitely pick things that are fluffy and light and that appeal to you. I mean, go for it. One of the things that I have done with my kids to help them read on their own is have a bedtime and then a lights out time that are different. And I think our mom did this when we were younger too. Yeah, I remember that. You'd have about a half hour maybe. Yeah, so if if bedtime is 8 o'clock, lights out is 8.30. So you get to read for half an hour. You don't have any option under the sun. Well, it, you're you, in you bed. Have to, yeah, you have to make sure that there's nothing else to do in that bedroom. That, you know, you're, they're not allowed to get out the toys and there's not a tablet or a computer in the bedroom. Yeah, we don't have any electronics in our bedroom at all, which helps because... If they were in the bedrooms, then our kids would gravitate to that. But they're not ever allowed. Like, That's something that in our home, they're not allowed to bring a phone, a tablet, anything into a bedroom ever. Um, because, yeah, who would pick up a book if you have a flashing, fun screen that requires no brain power, you know? But if you're laying in bed and you have a half hour of lights, you know, you get to have the lights on, what are you going to do? 
you're going to look at a book because, and again, you got to have books there. The the books need to be in the room. Yeah. We, we had a headboard growing up in our bedroom (laughs) and it had, yep. Dad made, he built our headboard and it had these little (laughs) sliding compartments. So Michelle had one on her side and I had one on my side. And at any given time you would find books all over the headboard. You didn't see, there weren't toys. There weren't Really Unless other we things. were playing house or something with their well, yeah, people. but but for the most part, like <laughs> yeah. that was our bookstore. Yeah, that was like put, our little bookshelf. That's book where we shelf. put the books. So when mom put us to bed, and our bedtime was actually eight thirty, I remember. So she'd put us to bed at eight thirty, and we had to stay in bed. But our books were the only thing that was there, and we had our books and our little lamp, and we'd read and our cassette player. Yeah, we did have our cassette, we had player, a cassette player to listen to stories. Yeah. But but yeah, you just naturally read when that's your. That's the only thing you have to do at that Well, it's time. either that so or go to bed a half hour early. Yeah. No kid is going to pick that. But I don't remember it ever being something that she enforced or made like yeah, a requirement. Yeah, you, you, you don't even tell them, I want you to read during this time. You just give them a half hour. Yeah, lights out is in a half an hour. And we just started to read. So I don't know. That, that helped us. I don't really remember many nights that we didn't pick up our book for at least a little bit, you know. Yeah, we were always reading. I'll tell you what another thing that has been really helpful, especially for my kids with dyslexia, is audiobooks. If I could read aloud to them all day long, I would, but that's not going to happen. I have other things to do. And audiobooks are somebody reading aloud to your child. And if your kid reads, listens to an audiobook, like maybe they listen to Tom Sawyer, they can then say, I read Tom Sawyer. They read that book. Reading includes audiobooks. You would count it if you read it aloud to them. So why wouldn't you count it if somebody yeah. else read it aloud to them? So no. they can put it on their their reading record. They can count that as one of the books they've read and it can help them get into things and read things that they wouldn't be able to on their own. And also my kids will fall asleep listening to audiobooks and we talk about them and we all have different audiobooks going at different times. We have an Audible subscription because we do too. Because yeah. audiobooks are really important to our family. We also like listening to them in the car. We listen to audiobooks, especially on a long trip. Like we do not go on a long car trip without, you know, making sure that we have enough audiobooks to get us through. It always cracks me up when we like get to the rest stop or the gas station on a trip and everybody's sitting in the car because the chapter's not quite over. (laughs) Like We've been driving for hours and we all want to get out and stretch our legs, but like the chapter's almost over just a second. I we have vacations that I remember like, if I hear a story I'm like oh that's when we went on to the Oregon yeah, coast yeah we do like, the same we we listened to the Lord of the Rings the whole thing on our way over to the Washington coast one year and every time I hear that story or it's brought up it brings me right back to that trip because that's what we do on our trip. You remember trips. the whole vacation. <laughs> yep. Because of the books you were reading. <laughs> and also at nighttime, audiobooks are great too. Like we were saying, we had a half an hour to read aloud. But sometimes we listen to our cassettes. If you have an audiobook set up, your kids can listen to a story at night. It can help them get ready to go to sleep just to hear a story. And then most of them have a timer thing. Like we... We have an Alexa that we'll read from our Audible account so the kids can be hearing the story and then I have it set so that in 30 minutes it just turns off. And so then they just can go to sleep without having to... Without it playing all night. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to keep going. Something important to make kids fall in love with stories and books, I think, is to never, ever, ever use books as a punishment. You don't ever say, 
you have to get this reading done by such and such time or you know if you get your reading done then you can do something fun like the reading is the fun thing like you have to make sure that you keep that straight and don't have reading be a punishment or or yeah, the like bad part it, of the day if you say you will clean your room or i'm going to make you read that's not <laughs> that's, that's the wrong not message. what we're going for yeah. instead the reading is the reward for things. If you get your room cleaned up, I'll read you another chapter. Right. If that's always in their whole lives been the reward, it will be rewarding. You just have to think the right way in your mind that reading is the reward, not the punishment. And along with that, we always give books as gifts. My kids get books Christmas. They get books for their birthdays. Books are one of the things that they actually look forward to. They expect it. There's going to be a book in their stocking because Christmas morning when they wake up at 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Stinking kids. <laughs> what is that? Anyway, then they, they need can to read. Be quiet. They need to be quiet. <laughs> and here's your book. This is this is what we do. My kids actually know now that they're going to get books as gifts. So they will ask for a specific book like, hey, um, I was hoping to get like, how do you know you're going to get books? They know. They know. They know. <laughs> <laughs> um, because every year for my entire life, I've gotten a book. Yeah, because not a holiday has passed that you haven't bought me a book, Mom. <laughs> but my kids love the books. Like It oh, really yeah. is a treat. It really is a gift. And, and I think if you treat books that way... Like, Karen, one thing that you do that I think is great is at the beginning of the school year, you give your kids a few books all wrapped up yeah, in I, a special bag. I wrap them and put them in this cute little bag, and they often get a few little school supplies to, like... My my favorite one is like smelly markers. It's like the school supply that you don't need, but is fun. And the books are in that same category. These aren't the books that are like, this is your assignment. It's like, I think you're going to love this series, you know, and I wrap them up and they get them at the beginning of the school year and they're excited. It's like a little holiday, a little mini Christmas in itself when they get their little bag of school supplies with their wrapped up books. Okay. So let's talk about nonfiction really quick. Because we've been talking about stories, which is, you know, fiction, of course. And that is, I think, easier to love for a lot of people than nonfiction. But one of the things that we've done with Layers of Learning is purposely selected things for our book list that are high appeal. Things that are written well. We don't pick textbooks. And that's because they're poorly written. They're boring. And you're not going to have a kid who loves history by reading them a textbook. I think partly it's that the textbook is monotonous. Yeah. If you read, it would be the same way if everything you read in your science was by the same author. If it's all the same style, all the same type of wording, all the same type of illustrations, it just gets a little bit monotonous. It's also all summarized. Everything is summarized. They don't go into any detail. There is, you can feel that there's no passion for the subject. And if you read a high interest book written by a single author you're going to get a lot more of that passion. They usually have better graphics. They have interesting pictures, especially, you know, in kids' books we're talking. Mm -hmm. Then that will draw kids into nonfiction too. Nonfiction is fascinating if you get the right books. You know, I will say if your kids aren't loving the read-alouds, they're not really, you're feeling like, I'm a bookworm, but my kid isn't. If you're experiencing that, I would challenge you to try out nonfiction with them. Because some kids really aren't into fiction, and yet they will really, really gravitate to nonfiction. So you, you said most of the time, 
kids would rather have the story. And that's true. But you'll have the kid who is like, stories feel fluffy and pointless to me, but they love like an animal book or a dinosaur book. A lot of it depends on finding a subject that they're interested in. If you find a subject that interests them, then the book will interest them. And so if fiction's not working to have your kids love reading, try nonfiction for a while. We do both of it all the time. Yeah, we do too. And some of it is reading aloud and some of it is them reading. Yeah. But we do. We mix it up too. Well, and I think there's something powerful that happens in nonfiction that we fail to recognize. And that's nonfiction books build vocabulary in huge ways. When you're reading a science book or a history book or you know a book about anything, art, anything, you are naturally exposed to the vocabulary words that go along with that subject. And it drastically changes the way that you understand all of the things that you'll encounter, all of those subjects. There's like an entire new language when you start to learn science, for example. You'll take a biology class and you'll feel like, wait, are, are we speaking a foreign language here? This terminology is crazy beyond me. Well, and the funny thing is like in a lot of classes, you feel like you have to memorize those. But if you just read a few good nonfiction books on the subject, you pick it up because it's being used in the writing. Yeah, it changes your natural ability to have that vocabulary be part of your knowledge base. And so, yes, you've got to fall in love with the stories, but don't let that stop you from getting involved in nonfiction, too. And again, nonfiction is also in audio. CJ and I, he's he's my 17-year-old. We both listened to a book called, well, it's really a course. It's called The Story of Language, and it's from John McWhorter, who is a linguist at Columbia University. And we both listened to the whole thing because John McWhorter is fascinating to listen to. It wasn't even the subject matter as much as it was him. He did such an excellent job of being quirky and funny and using these examples. And when he was speaking in foreign languages, you know, which he doesn't necessarily know them all, but he had a few phrases here and there, he would do the accents and the voices. And it was so entertaining. It drew us in. I know a lot about linguists and what they do and languages now that I never would have known if I hadn't been drawn into that nonfiction course that, that we listened to. It was really long too. It was like 18 hours. Well, it's really interesting when you realize, I didn't even know I cared about that. I didn't care no, about that subject I didn't at care all. About it. <laughs> but, but then you're like, this is really fascinating. Yeah. And I think what you said is right. When you have the right reader for an audiobook, it changes everything. Oh, yeah. My husband loves audiobooks, but he now finds audiobooks based on who's reading it. He'll find out, okay, I really love that reader. Yeah. What else did they read for? And he'll find a new book. Because of the reader, not even the author. Yeah, the I listen. Reader. I listened to another one, of another course. It was one of the great courses. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And it was a geology one, and I couldn't even get through it because the guy speaking kept saying um, and he kept saying you know, and he was halting, and it was awkward, and I was like, I can't stand this. Even though I enjoy science and I like geology, but I just couldn't get into it. So the reader matters a lot. Definitely. One of the things that I require for my kids when we're reading anything is if there's a movie version, they are not allowed to watch the movie before we've read the book. Because I'll tell you what happens. If you have watched the movie, it's the movie that is playing in your head while you're reading the book. You see the characters from the movie. You hear their voices. But if you read the book first, 
then your imagination tells you what the characters look like and what their voices sound like. It's funny because if you watch the movie after it, I guarantee your kids will be like, no, they did that wrong. They ruined it. Or why didn't they put this in? Yeah. But if you watch the movie first, they feel like the work to get through the reading isn't worthwhile because they already know the ending. You know, so you have to appreciate the buildup of suspense that happens in the read aloud. And then you watch the movie and I don't know, it works for us the, every time. The, the only they ex- love the book more. Yeah. The only exception to that is, is I think, plays. Sometimes it's better to watch the play first. But in that case, the play is a script. And the what the it's actors word are doing word. on the stage is word for word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Plays are the exception to that. So another thing that I do that I think is crucial is that we have a lot of books in our house. We go to the library a lot, but we also have books all over the house. I have bookshelves in every room and I keep building more (laughs) and it's never enough. You know what's really interesting? I was reading some studies about things that make kids readers. This was several years ago. And the number one predictor of whether or not kids will love reading, it directly correlates to the number of books that you own in your home. My my kids had no chance. Not even that you read, (laughs) but that you own. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm not sure entirely why, except that I think what we own indicates what we value. And so probably people who own more books also have behaviors that... They're probably book lovers. Right. Yeah. But it was interesting to me to look at those studies and be like, wow, there's an absolute direct correlation between the number of books that you own and how much your kids will become like lifelong lovers of books and reading. My children each have a bookshelf in their bedroom full of books. And we have bookshelves in the living room. We have bookshelves in the kitchen. We have bookshelves in our study, like our homeschool room. We have them in every room. We're we're the same. We have bookshelves or book baskets or, you know, little book spots, I guess. Little reading nooks and things like that. And it's just kind of an environment of reading. When you create an environment of reading in your home, it really helps your kids to feel like readers, even if the reading isn't supernatural for them. It kind of becomes who they are over time. I think in the digital age, sometimes a lot of our books end up being on our phone or on our tablets. It can make it trickier. and And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it, especially when I'm going on a trip. I can take 10 books with me. And it's yeah. all on my phone. But it's also, I think, important to physically have actual books in your home. I decorate with books. That's actually the only thing I decorate with. Well, when it comes to the digital, it can be a little bit hard. You know, I've bought my kids Kindle books. We tend to do audio books more than Kindle books for my yeah. kids. Because with a Kindle book, it's really easy to flip to the other screen that has the game on it. And I think you have to be a little bit more watchful and intentional if you're going to do that. There's nothing wrong with Kindle books. But for me, it was hard because I had so many kids and it's hard for me to actually monitor what's happening on every screen in our home all the time anyway. And so I liked them to have actual books. And then, yeah, we do have a Kindle library, but very, very often I give my kids the actual books still. Maybe, yeah. I, maybe and, I'm and still old And we do both. I, I taught my kids how to hook up to our library and borrow digital books from the library, which is, that's amazing. Do you it know is how amazing, amazing that is? We were talking about how we could only have three books checked out at a yeah. time because with all of those kids, we might lose them. It's beautiful that at the end of a Kindle book, 
It just goes back to the library. There's no late fees. And you can put stuff on hold and it just comes right to you. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. I love Kindle books. Yeah. But it can be important for kids to also have an actual book in their hands, I think. I think the combination is The combination can be nice. And I I do think it's important to actually have books in your home, have bookshelves all over the place, book baskets. When we go on vacation, we don't usually take physical books with us. You know, there's like, we already have a lot packed and things like that. So there are definitely times when I'm so, so grateful for the digital resources that we have. But then in my home, I, I love to have stacks of books and baskets uh-huh. of books and bookshelves of books. <laughs> and I don't know, we even keep, we have an animal encyclopedia that my kids love that can pretty often be found in the backseat of our car because they're always toting it along and looking at the animal encyclopedia. So I think they fall in love with stories and they fall in love with books themselves. But if I ask my kids, are you in love with their Kindle? It would probably be for the games on it more than for the books that they have. Yeah. If, if I was honest, you know. So when I think back, what did I do to make it so that six boys, most of them with reading difficulties, love books? I would have to say it's that I read to them a lot. Our house was full of books. Books were given as gifts. I never assign books. I always made books be fun. They get to pick what they want. I never made it into something that was like difficult or stressful or you have to get this many pages done by Friday. I never did that. I think that was huge. Karen, is there anything else you've done to really make books fun? You know, you're, you're more creative than I am. Well, I I have over the years. This isn't something that I do constantly, but we do have kids book clubs on occasion where we invite their friends or a book party or like for example we have our Harry Potter feast that we do because we love Harry Potter so we I remember when we read the Chronicles of Narnia we had a little dinner where we had some of the foods my friend was telling me about when she did that and she was like we had Turkish delight oh yeah you know so little fun things like that but I think one of the things that I would definitely suggest even if you're not like a party person like me this is something that I wish I had done from day one with my kids in school they make you keep a reading log and they like monitor I've read 20 minutes today I've read 25 minutes I hated that as a kid because It just felt like reading had become homework. So instead, with my kids, something that I've done, but I wish I had started from when they were babies, I have them keep a reading record. So they have a list of every book they've read. And it's not about how many minutes it took or it's 20 minutes or whatever. It's more like, look at how many books I've read. And and by the time that they're in high school, it's thousands. Yeah. That's impressive. Don't you wish that you had that for yourself? Like a book or a list of every single book that you've read in your life? I do. Like, I wish I could go back in time and make that list for myself. So we treat it like that. Like, look at my book resume. This is amazing. Who needs a baby book? What you need (laughs) is a reading log. (laughs) (laughs) So it's not like homework. It's like, look at how well read I am. It's just really cool to have that awesome, forever growing list of all of the books that you've ever read. And I think it's it can be something to get excited about for kids. So I don't know. Those are those are the things that I do. I think having books all around you and having reading just be a part of life can help your kids to really love the stories, love the books, see themselves in the characters. They start to connect with them when it's just part of life. One thing we do have to say is that every single person is different 
And not every one of your children is going to become a great reader, even if you are. You know, I, I told you that my kids are all love reading and love books. And I feel like it's some there are some things I did to make that happen. However, there are some people, reading is just not their thing. Just like some kids like soccer and others don't. Some kids like reading and others don't. It's It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. You want to raise people who can gather information, who can research, who can... I mean, you need to have your kids be able to read because that's an important skill but you don't have to have a bookworm you need to have a reader you don't have to have a bookworm but there are things that can help your kids to become more comfortable with reading more excited about reading and hopefully some of these things we talked about today can spark some of the excitement for that in your home and you know with some of my kids I didn't think they would ever love reading and I would still say they're not bookworms like your boys are but my kids all love stories and have those great memories of read alouds and even mine that are a little bit more hesitant to read are really capable and competent and able and they're, to they're do still it. very comfortable they were books. engulfed in reading and they're comfortable even though they might rather do something else in their totally free time i have some who are bookworms and some who aren't and that's okay yeah, it's totally fine. Everybody has different personalities, and we need to be careful about not trying to push our kids into pegs, you know, make them, make them fit into a certain shape when that's not what they are. Yeah, so, so fill your home with reading, fill your life with it, make it a happy, positive, rewarding thing, but then just love your kids, too. And, yeah, and, and relax about it a little bit. You don't have to have a master plan or make it into this big deal. Just Just love books. Thank you so much for joining us. We really hope that you do love books in your home and that you share them with your kids and make that just one of the happy parts of your homeschool. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com at Instagram and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning. learning.